density to a bit more and a bit more. And yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right too. I, I've started to notice that as well because it's like once it gets really intense, the first reaction is like, oh fuck, like, dude, I can't do this. And it's like, okay, well, it's can it, is that really true? Is that just an assumption? Like, let's just sit with it a little longer. Mm. And and as I feel more of it, I realize it's not so scary, but it's still it's still pretty intense. You've got me thinking now, Doug, actually, I'm wondering about the possibility, Alex, of you perhaps being able to move between Samata and this more Vipassana ended watching, allowing. And kind of. Um, move between the two as necessary yeah during one sit yeah that's actually yeah. what i play with yeah that's actually organically what it's come to because it gets oh. so intense okay i just gotta just gotta enjoy the breath okay it gets intense okay can i enjoy this can i enjoy the intensity? can i enjoy mm. this is there any part of this that's enjoyable because um, what a ride i mean people take themselves onto roller coasters People go seeking intensity, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know, but this is like... <laughs> well, you went seeking it too, as, as you said. I know. Right? Yeah. yeah. You kind of feel like, I want to get off the ride now. Yeah. Well, mm, not get off. Just be able to... Oh, I know what you mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to see intensity necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to um, have experiences, right? Experiences of wanting it, experiences of not wanting it, bring it on, and then, oh, fuck. Yeah. Experiences of calm abiding, experiences of allowing it's all in there. Yeah. You know what to do. Can you just be cool? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing the other thing that I'm dealing with is I notice I have like a lot of I feel really weak and insecure when I'm around my girlfriend, when I'm around Abby and I'm feeling this way. Mm. And she's totally cool with it, which makes it even worse because I I'm not accepting myself as I am when I'm with her. Mm. But I was in the shower this morning and I just, I, I stopped for a second and I thought about what is this? What is this thought that I have that I feel insecure or that I feel weak? Where is that? Not where is it coming from, but is it true? Is it actually true? Because it's almost as like, as soon as I have that thought, I think that it has some kind of substance. Like there's actually something going on that I'm relying on as data that tells me I'm insecure. And the only thing I've been able to come up with so far is I'll have like thoughts, you know, of like, oh, I don't know what she's going to think of that, or she might think I'm weak. But again, that's just another thought. And then that might be doubt. But then again, really, what is doubt? So I think I'm like, I'm interested in going further in that inquiry and seeing like the emptiness of that there's i wonder if there really is no insecure at all because it's like where where is that like where is it really i can't 
I can't find it. I can't find it. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. It's like, well, where is where is doubt? Where is insecure? Other than these things that I'm spontaneously labeling them as. Yeah. After thoughts happen in the mind that I draw conclusions about. So, yeah. Rick? Um, so I'd like to speak to that for a second about the, the insecurity stuff. Um, yeah. I found that, and I've worked, I worked on that a lot. I've worked, I've worked on this investigation a lot. Uh, and I found that I had a, an, an image of myself, like a part, like a perfect image that I think was partially socially constructed and maybe just constructed from many different things. And, and it was coming by me, like trying to measure constantly have some sort of a measurement of like, how am I measuring up to this sort of perfect, um, ideal standard of whatever it is, whether it's physical or intellectual or whatever. Um, and, uh, and eventually I, through, through my own investigation and, and other means as well, I was able to drop that standard and, and understand that there was never going to be an objective way of getting down to whether or not you're actually living up to that or not. And I know it sounds really intellectual what I'm talking about and not emotional because this is an emotional feeling, but somehow I, and I'm still working on it. There's no perfection on this at, at this point, but I'm, I found, or I'm finding that by realizing that there's no objective way of measuring it, that that I'm somehow I'm able to emotionally release that need and it's become a lot easier to handle it. And then a lot, the, the thought comes back up and rather than um, ch let it chase me down or haunt me as you, as, it, as you might have it, it doesn't haunt me the way it used to. It's, it's almost laughable. It's like, Oh, look at you coming back. You like, you know, perfection image again, really you're back. And then it's like, this is, um, and I see it for what it is. It's, 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 um, it seems like it's coming from me, but I see it as external now. And that's, that's better. Cause I'm like, it's almost like a commercial. It's like, oh, look, here comes this commercial again, trying to tell me uh, like, Hey, um, this is what you're not living up to. This is not, this is the behavior that you're not meeting. And I'm like, but it's like, but that's that's just a social commercial that's been in, that I've been indoctrinated with, um, and I know that it's not actually it's not attainable, it's not worth it, and so when I'm able to go through that process, and it may only take a few seconds, or it may take me a meditation to do it, um, then I'm able to to release it, and then I feel a heck of a lot better because I'm like, oh, well, that was just a it was just a commercial, but it wasn't, it's like a tape, you know, that's it. Mm. Yeah. No, anyway, I don't know if that is, is helpful at all, but that's, that's how I've been able to sort of manage it a bit. Yeah. It is, it is helpful. I could actually see when you said uh, like a tape, like a commercial, I could actually relate to that, that it is kind of, 
in that moment when I was investigating and asking myself, well, what is this really? What is insecurity? What is doubt? I notice it in retrospect is like, it's nothing but a, th I, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to continue investigating, but I suspect it's a thought. It's nothing but a thought and that's it. And it's a conclusion that's drawn about the thought. Well, what, what could it be? But there's only a few categories that it could be thought sensation. Yeah. Right. Right. When you really break it down and you get present. Yeah. Sen sensation really can include all of it in the end. We can, yeah, it's, it's, to like me, it's, weird, it's a weird term to think about mental sensation. But, but to me, it's about the key here is this measurement thing, right? The, the, the inadequacy or the insecurity, I feel, comes from trying to, trying to make a measurement somehow, and it's not equaling up. Right. That's yeah. that's the key. So then where where is the standard? Where's this yeah. measurement? That's my exactly. point as far as the the but you can't just stop measuring. It's that's really difficult to just say, oh, look at me measuring again. It's almost like you have to see the illusion of the of the of the point you're measuring up to. Say, oh, that's not real. Then you can drop your measuring tape and go, okay, that's that's a, that's just a, that doesn't lead to edification or or peace at all but first you I, for me anyway you i think it's important to see the the unreality of that whatever that standard is that was to me i feel like it was given to me by culture and society so yeah great yeah no thank you and, and that is i i think we're saying it in different words but when i saw that it was just a thought or when i saw when i even just when i asked myself what is that what is insecurity? I think I didn't use the same words as you, Rick, but I yeah. saw it as a measurement. I saw it as some kind of invisible standard mm -hmm. that I'm holding myself up to that doesn't really actually exist. Like who actually, who's actually to say that just because I'm crying and I'm feeling down about myself, that that means I'm insecure. Like what if I'm just crying? You know, like it's, it's interesting. Like that, I just think of like an animal, you know, if you see an animal crying, like you're not going to say, oh, they're insecure. Right, right. Like, what, a, yeah, like, like, what, an, what an insecure monkey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What exactly. an insecure dog, right? It's really interesting. It's like once you really look at it, it's like, wait a minute, where is this anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Pull yourself together, monkey. <laughs> Come on, life's hard. <laughs> no one's just gonna give you bananas. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you have to work for those bananas. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I suspect you won't be at it for long, dear Alex. Seeing the way you're seeing. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Great to see you again, Olivia. I know that you're tired pretty much all the time, so it's great to see you showing up for the Dharma. Yeah, I'm not going to stay for long this time because I am really tired. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just thought I'd put my head in. Well, yeah, I was aware that you just kind of kept going last week. I know. It's just such a good. I felt quite just, good last week. Um, did, okay. and it was a good conversation, but I probably should have left like forty minutes earlier. But there we go. <laughs> of course, mm. they're recorded.
right? All all of the chats yeah. are recorded, and then if you have anything to add, then um, I'm sure any of us will take a call from you, or drop a text in the chat, or sure. whatever. I yeah. think it was just it's in that moment, isn't it? And you kind of you're enjoying it, so you, you grab at it, don't you? You go, oh, I can't have it another time, and you just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Like a big fat Dharma chocolate cake. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have it now. That sounds good to be honest. (laughs) Gotta have it now. (laughs) (laughs) So so Doug and Alex, I I wanted to thank you again for your patience. I know you've both been trying to get hold of me this week. And I've been busier and busier with drum teaching. And one of the things that I wanted to um, bring to you all is um, a kind of interesting is it a challenge. Challenge would be too strong of a word. It's just something that I'm seeing that there appears to be a transition occurring for me which is a transition between teaching drums with most of my time to teaching Dharma with most of my time. Currently, uh, I have missed calls from you guys coming in. And meanwhile, I'm... And here we are measuring again. But uh, I I am of the opinion that um, it's more beneficial for me to be talking to you guys than it is to be teaching. So what do I do about that? What I've been thinking about. And the things that I've been doing more recently, as Parker, you're aware of, is I've been reaching out on Twitter. One of the things that I became aware of as I was doing that is how late to that party I am. That party's been going on for some time. Twitter is now saturated. With lots of folks all trying to prove that they're more wise than one another. <laughs> Are they trying to outzen each other? <laughs> there's some of that going on. Yeah, there's some really good stuff too. Um, but of course, the folks who are just... Um, the folks who are just kind of tweeting Dharma stuff have very small followings, as you would imagine. Uh, it's an attention marketplace. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. As is most uh, social media at this point. Right. It's, attention, it's an attention marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, so I've been uh, trying to balance some, some ideas. Um, I don't ever want to charge for Dharma. Uh, Damarato gave it to me freely, and so I want to continue to pass it freely. So the model that, that makes sense is a donation model. And the way to make that work is, of course, to reach lots of people. So you talk to a large number of people, and 0.01% of them happen to be stinking rich, and they take care of your rent for the month. And all kinds of people are doing this on the internet. So I figured that's worth a shot. But it's unlikely to happen on Twitter. 
unlikely to happen on Twitter, it seems all well. I could spend a couple of years pummeling out tweets. <laughs> so I got to thinking as I was doing this, the folks who were early to that party, it was easier for those guys. In the infancy of a social network, there's organic reach. The social network wants people to reach one another so as to attract more users to generate buzz to get things going. So I started to look out for, well, okay, what's the next party? What's the next thing? What's the next Twitter that's going to show up? And it turns out it's virtual reality. Now I'm intrigued. Mm. I started digging around and there's a huge buzz. It seems the internet is changing a lot. Millions and millions of dollars are being thrown around by developers, investors, all sorts. You have on the one hand blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. And you have, on the other hand, virtual reality. And these two things, it appears, are going to change the way that works. Mm. So that's the new party. So the obvious thing to do seems to be to set up some kind of uh, virtual environment for Sangha. For all of this and for anyone else who comes along who wants to get Oh. Imagine this, but in three dimensions with a nice waterfall over there or a big old Bodhi tree over there. And yeah, Dag's tree would be in 3D. So, <laughs> what was that, Rick? I said uh, Dag's hey, tree would be in 3D. Hey uh, right. <laughs> yes. Hey, Ron, how you doing? I'm good. Good brother. Um, absolutely great. Good. Thanks to you for your patience as well. Of course. I know that I've missed yeah. calls, and um, I'm just I'm just talking about this this apparent transition that appears to be taking place in my life between drums and dharma, and how the next frontier is virtual reality. Oh yeah, hopping on the metaverse wave. Mm-hmm. So then, you mean yes, to tell me that in a year, in a year's time, I'll be sitting here with the VR goggles on? <laughs> well, that's up to you. So, so one of the things that's obvious about this is it being such a new thing. Of course, not everyone has the hardware yet. So I started speaking to a couple folks uh, who were very keen on on getting some kind of mindfulness thing going. And VR. Yeah. Yeah, That's and, yeah, man. Uh, just just because there's going to be organic reach. Yeah, right. So where you know we've been talking about Twitter, you and I, and it's it, it is what it is. It's saturated. Um, but the question is, how could you incorporate mindfulness into virtual reality? Because I was always, you know, I I'd always had that thought in the back of my head. You know, like oh, yeah. we have the technology to completely simulate an alternate form of reality. Now the question is, how would you use that to 
I guess, implicate or fabricate the, the idea of mindfulness? Oh, piece of cake. I mean, it, it would go down exactly as this is right now, except with an added third dimension. Uh, hmm. So, so the the piece of software that was recommended to me actually allows people to access the environment through a regular browser, so that you can just be walking around in this virtual environment like you would a simple video game. But that those who have the hardware can have the full three dimensional experience, <laughs> and so we end up with something where. Um, Folks can drop in, hang out, have a chat, maybe hear a little bit about the Dharma if they please, and go on their merry way. And you can have like a cool Buddha avatar or something like that. <laughs> oh well, I I, I wouldn't be uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be quite that brave. <laughs> I would. Uh, I'll do it. Uh, hey Ryan, how you doing? Hey, 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 Ryan. Hey, good to see you. Hi, Ryan. It's Ryan. Yeah. Um, oh, it's been a while since I've seen Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to have you back, Ryan. Cheers, Robert. Good to be here. So, so those are my thoughts. I wonder if anyone has any of their own. Yeah, I can share something that um, one thought that I've heard in other social media platforms, and we can use in the case of Twitter, um, is is that if you want to get big on Twitter, tweeting is not the way to do it in the sense oh, sure. that the the other way that it was presented is um, if you want to get big on like the live streaming platform Twitch, just live streaming isn't the way to do that because the there are platforms that um, have like organic reach like you're talking about mm -hmm. um, and platforms not. And you've kind of got a little bit of understanding of that with like replying to tweets. Yeah. Um, and getting some organic views there. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly Twitter, unless you post some thing that somehow hits a spark and like someone big retweets it or something, mm. uh, that's how you would get organic followers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, no, you, you need to get one of the big guys to answer on Twitter. Sorry, Ron? Uh, you get one of the big guys to respond on Twitter. Oh yeah, and so yeah, and and that, that can happen. I've 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 looked into uh, Twitter, and there is a balance to be found between uh, partaking too much in that attention marketplace kind of vibe, but at the same time. Um, making a message palatable yes right we, so we're not just heading and going hey this is the four noble truths and you'll need to listen right just trying to kind of be friendly basically and um, using words that people already know and you, that right. type of thing yeah 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 and so it, it seems to have been worked well um there's you know i've made some fun connections with folks and uh there's there's been some there's been some good connection nonetheless it's to estimate probably been something like a hundred comments generates a follower mm -hmm. 
So that's pretty slow. Now, in the infancy yes. of Twitter, it would have been quite a different story. So one would reach interested folks by use of a simple hashtag or whatever, just by the fact that the population was so small. So that's what got me thinking, well, OK, where is a small population now? Yes. Where is a small population among which uh, who knows how many folks there will be talking about mindfulness, talking about all the kind of stuff that we like to talk about here? And it just turns out that it's virtual reality. Which is an interesting phenomenon itself. So we'll see what happens. That's the plan. That's the plan. And I, I see uh, reaching a wide audience being the only way that I'm going to be able to transition out of teaching. Yes, I'm not sure if you've looked into um, other video platforms or um, I mentioned to you once that uh, video platforms are often popular in terms of the short term um, because um, things like TikTok, although like Twitter, there isn't much conversion. I don't know if it's Twitter much, but people usually stay on the app and don't reach out to the content creator specifically, but the content there is so short form. And the algorithm um, trains very quickly in terms of what the users like yeah. and what your videos would, um, who they would look good in front of. Right. Um, so um, that is an idea that um, I'll soon be experimenting with with the Domrado videos and started with in the past. But um, Great. it's um, it is. Uh, I agree with your point that there is. Um, sort of like um, groups of people that have already formed their things and those are going to be the most attractive for people say searching Google right like you can't really get into that SEO stuff because there are these certain people that just have these big teams behind it yeah um, so the Indeed. idea is to find a smaller niche that isn't um, yeah yeah and that's there's kind of a the there's one kind of indirect way to to get yourself like a higher amount of traffic on Twitter or Maybe even Discord. So uh, this is kind of like an indirect way, but uh, okay. I'm just gonna go ahead and say, have you have you looked at all like into like NFTs or anything? No, no. See, that's that's about monetary value, which I'm trying to stay away from. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, it's just that I've been I've been looking into them a lot over these past few weeks and. You know, I noticed for every new drop that there is, mm. there's there's always like a kind of theme to it. And mm. then on top of that, they always have like a Twitter page and, and a Discord. And the way people get towards getting their NFTs is by being active and contributing and talking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was, I was just thinking, you know, maybe I can make like a, a Buddha NFT. <laughs> oh, sure. Why not? Why not? I mean, it sounds like certainly there's a way for us to cover a lot of bases. Yeah. And that way, you know, people who would actually be somewhat interested in buying something like that would be the ones joining. Sure. I mean, the yeah, the idea hasn't gone much further for me than 
I'll just set up a space where people can come and hang out and talk Dharma. That's as far as I've gone with it. So anyone who wants to kind of rally around. Great. And, and my, my thinking is what this will mean is that we'll all get to hang out together more. And uh, I won't have to keep ignoring you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a long way around. That was a long <laughs> way around, Dan. That was like 20 way. minutes ago you were talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long road. Uh, I, I, must have just, I must have just joined the chat like 15 minutes ago then. Yeah. Alex, you've got your hand up, brother. Yeah, I was fine. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to say that sounds really cool, Dan. I never thought that that's something that you'd be looking at. Um, Neither did I. What? Neither did I. Yeah. It's just funny because, like, um, which, by the way, guys, this is Abby. Hey, Abby. Hello. Abby. Um, we were watching a movie last night. What is it called? Ready? Ready Player One. Ready Player One. And it's a virtual reality movie about this guy who, like, goes into this virtual reality universe and he has, like, a whole other life there. And, Mm -hmm. um because at one point abby was like man why can't this just be real life i was like yeah (laughs) i mean it will be but uh it's funny that you're actually like thinking of meeting as a sangha virtual reality like you think that would just instantly make you more i feel like popular is like not a good word but more well-known people would be more interested no no it's that the amount of interest will be roughly the same i imagine although i think we're probably seeing an uptick in interest in mindfulness and mental health in general Um, i mean if i could just it's about the it's about the organic reach it's about the fact that um the 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 hope is that one doesn't have to play the attention game so much one can just create an environment and say hey we do mindfulness here and serve that's Mm. i won't know until i try Mm. but we can draw um evidence from the way that social networks in their infancy have gone in the past in that it's been easier to grow in the early days. Mm. Okay, Olivia, great to see you. You too. Bye, Olivia, good seeing you. See you next week. Bye. Have you done any um, research on what what it looks like in terms of um, uh, finding, or like how you would find like naturally new people? Because that would be the key to anything that um, new venture, right? How do natural new people uh, find the group? Unless, um, unless it's been the case historically, and you know, I can't know for sure because I was never there. But it appears to be the case that um, in those early stages of something new, rather than a creator having to go and find an audience, the audience finds the creator. Yeah, the social network is looking for ways to attract people to its platform, and so it puts the creators in front of people. Yeah, no, I was gonna like.
kind of add on to that because yeah. I was going to say that although virtual technology has been out for a few years, this this VR platform where people can you know communicate with each other like that is still very relatively new. And at the end of the day, there are a lot of people who are into mindfulness and who practice spirituality, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. they're just they're getting their information and they're talking to their own people in their own ways. But, you know, being one of the newer people, being one of the first people on this newer frontier could definitely give you a lot more exposure. Mm -hmm. Seeing as, you know, if you go to YouTube right now, there's a a million other YouTubes talking talking about the same stuff. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're on a newer platform, there really is much less people who who are there talking about the same thing. Yeah, and it also lends itself to the means of sharing dharma that comes right down through the lineage, which is that around having a chat as friends. Yeah. Right? So the way that the current uh, social media platforms work, you can't quite get that. I mean, this is the closest that we can get. Right? Um Certainly, Twitter is text, lots of video platforms, and there you've got the arrangement that's rather like reading a book or listening to a Dhamma talk. It has to be made for a wide audience. I suppose, of course, the way that Dhammarato has come around that is to upload conversations. No, but... Looking at it from a looking at it from a wider scale, I do think that VR is still in its like in its opening stages, and mm-hmm. it's going to develop much, much more, and it's going to be something much more pivotal in our society and in the upcoming years, possibly in the upcoming decades. But you know, it, it's going to be there. It's it's hundred percent. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge yeah. because at the way that our at the rate that our technology is advancing. I figure at least it's only a matter of time before they're able to create some type of virtual reality that can tap in directly to your central nervous system. And once they achieve that technology, it's it's literally going to be no different from actually being there. Well, I can hear that that's a natural progression. Um, I suppose we keep wondering where the line is in terms of intrusiveness, don't we? And then we just go ahead and cross it anyway. So, oh, at the end of, if, if we're going to be completely honest, humankind as a species does not care at all about intrusiveness. Like that way, it's the curiosity that drives us. It's the reason we're all here right now. Mm. You know, it may very well be the same thing that kills us, but that's just mm. just how it is. Mm. Doc, you have a hand up? Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I have no, 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 no concrete ideas now, but I've had two friends that uh, did, and I think one of them still does work at a VR lounge. Cool. Where you can like, where they have like public VR events and you can rent the place. Um, so those two have some experience at least, and one of one other friend of mine, he does have a, like a VR gaming system at home, which I've also used a few times. Mm. So I'm not sure if there's there could be anything, but I, I know some people who have dabbled with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe 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 it can come in handy in the future yeah great good to know that you have a couple of folks who are uh who have some experience yeah mm. i've also used it but no no further experience mm. Mm. how did you find it um it can be very great fun like i've mostly used it for like vr games mm -hmm. and Depending on what you do, it can be can be quite a lot of fun. I I really like the aspect that you actually move around a bit, mm. so some of that uh, some of that adrenaline that can be released while playing certain games is actually used for movement. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, it's certainly a new frontier. So I shall keep you all posted. Yes. Mm. What else? So how's, how's everyone's week? Or did you guys already go over this without me? We kind of we kind of did a bit of that, didn't we? So, Ron, why don't you tell us? Oh well, uh, I like to think I've had a pretty good week. I can tell by the smile. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at this rate, it's just starting to be where like. Every week is a great week. Every yes. week is a great day. Uh, I've definitely been getting a lot deeper into my practice. Like, like I told you over text, I've been doing the, the, the Vipassana body scanning lately. And, you know, every day for at least like an hour or so, mm -hmm. I'll just sit down and I'll scan my body. Because, you know, I realize like on an intellectual level, like I'm, I'm pretty much there, but you see, it, it doesn't matter how much you know on an intellectual level because my brain is still hardwired to to perceive reality in the same way that it's been doing for the last two decades. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've just been doing the the body scanning slowly, trying to you know kind of uh, disidentify and dissolve my attachment to, to my body and my current way of perceiving reality and you know I feel like slowly slowly but surely I'm, I'm getting into deeper deeper levels of concentration meditation like, like I told you I, I realized that, that even while I was doing this body scanning I was subconsciously kind of labeling the pieces of my body that I was scanning and when I realized that it stopped being body scanning and it started just being scanning for sensations. Mm. Okay. And I'm able to see that, that when a, when a sensation arises, my, my concentration is, it's much more precise. And, you know, I don't put labels on it. I don't make a positive or a negative. I, I kind of just observe and analyze the sensation as it rises. Beautiful. And that's definitely kind of, been starting to give me insights to impermanence because when I do my body scanning it also you know reinforces the idea that my entire body inside and outside is just sensations mm. you know that kind of leads to the insight where if it's just sensations that all arise and pass away where is there a permanent self in there indeedy if you find one let us know <laughs> uh, I definitely will but I I don't think there's anything there to be found. Nope. <laughs>
indeed if you were to find one you'd blow open the whole of the buddha's teaching and practice so uh <laughs> And, uh, and then uh, on top of that, I've, I've started to, to get really back into reading. I've been reading philosophy mm. right now. I'm, I'm reading Nicomachean Ethics Ooh. by Aristotle. Ooh. Yeah, oh, and then I have, I have Daniel Ingram's book right here. Mm. That's right, I, got that, I got that one lying around too. Mm. And mostly I've just been enjoying myself, enjoying my existence. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Oh, 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 there's one more thing, actually. So, uh, one of my friends told me about this uh, this YouTuber, right? His name is Guga Foods. This has nothing to do with uh, spirituality or meditation at all. It's simply just my pure enjoyment. Now, uh, this this Guga Foods character. So so what he does is uh, so he just makes steaks all day, and he tries them, and he, he eats them, and you know he cooks them, and and so I went on his YouTube channel and I saw this uh, this recipe for a compound butter calls it the butter of the gods and you know i looked at that and i said wow the butter of the gods i have to try that <laughs> so i made the butter i bought some steaks i cooked the steaks with the butter and that was probably the best steak that i've ever had okay and i, I really like food just anything that has to do with food i like eating food i like making food mm -hmm. so when I made something and it came out that good, I, I was I was very satisfied. You're floating, bro. Yeah, I know. This is amazing. Yeah, I, I can show you guys the recipe. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, please do. Uh, it sounds to me like uh, it sounds to me like you would have been high on whatever you were doing this week. Yeah, it's high on existence. Love it. I was I was smoking that that kundalini dope. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. Yeah. Ron, send the recipe. Seriously, that sounds amazing. No, I will. I will. Butter right now. It's called the butter of the gods. I'll just send the whole filet mignon recipe. But it has like the butter and fries included. Oh my god. Wait, you made the fries? You made the fries, Ron? No, I didn't make the fries, but it's there. Okay. <laughs> Abby's getting a little squirrely. She wants it right now. <laughs> Anybody else want to give an update? Yeah, let's hear from you, Ryan. So I went on a course last weekend called Matrix Reimprinting. Matrix Reimprinting. Yeah. So, it's, uh, so I thought that the blind uh, missing link in my uh, skill set in my in my healing and therapy skill set was going back to a memory and seeing where a certain thing first started from. So I mm. could actually 
it with data healing and hypnotherapy, but I didn't feel that I knew exactly how to access. I wanted to do this. So matrix reimprinting, it's a form of EFT. So he does three days of EFT. The other two days he teaches matrix reimprinting. Okay. So I've already done EFT. So I just went for the two days of the matrix reimprinting course. So what it does is you see how you feel at about a certain situation and feel the energy, the shape, the color connect to it. And with that energy, you go past to a past memory where that energy happened on this thing. Then you meet that person you were at that time. That's called an echo, energetic consciousness hologram. And you do EFT on the echo. And the echo learns. And the echo feels a certain way at that time. After a round or two rounds of EFT, the echo uh, feels completely different about the situation. And the situation is like it's healed completely on a scale of 0 to 10 is 10 to 10. Then you go back to your memory. Then you go back to an earlier memory. And then finally, you've got a range of memories. And it's the way the echoes know which memory to take you to. How to so the healing aspect is very comprehensive. Someone's got some interference on their mic. Could you mute? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. So you just go back to the old memories and there's around four or five old memories that come up and crop up. And those are the memories that cause a certain current behavior. So when the person sees it, once he sees the dots connect, he stops criticizing himself and he can completely forgive himself and the other person. And when I was doing it with a friend of mine, he went to a certain memory that he was at his mom's breast. That's how early he went. And then he said, this is when, because this was about eating and he's he's got his mom's breast and his daughter's getting, and his sister's getting the attention. And he says, well, no, no, this is for me. I, I need this thing and I need the milk now. Mm -hmm. Then two rounds of tapping on that little him then, and then uh, he's happy and he sees the healthier side of the situation. And then, and now he's saying, he doesn't have any issues with this thing. Cool. With, with the food and sugars and eating this thing. So I've been doing healing like that. I've probably done around six, seven, eight sessions mm -hmm. myself. I mean, four sessions on myself and others. Mm -hmm. I've got another two sessions booked over the next three, four days. And cool. it's really fascinating. So yeah. How has it gone for you? It's 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 gone well. It's it's going really, really well. I I worked on an issue where I was stuck. And then it got sorted out or some other issue about relationships that was really insightful. And uh, mm. and this right. thing, I shared it, it was quite f f funny, but mm. this thing. And uh, also I'm doing Scientology drills. Goodness. With this, uh, with the guy in Australia. You uh, are standing at the uh, all you can learn buffet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spilling your plate, brother. Uh, as, but, but the Scientology drills, drills, drills are good because the Scientology drills are like the first drill is called OTTR zero, where I sit with my eyes closed in front of somebody and I stay absolutely still for half an hour. But even then, sitting still, you feel uncomfortable. You feel like moving. You feel like this thing. And then after that, there's TR zero where you sit with your eyes open in front of somebody. And I can only stay for around 10 to 15 minutes before I start dropping off and mm. nodding off. Wow. You you need to stay in present space. 
Mm. When you move forward and backward and your mind wanders, then this is the difficulty. And then there is TR1, TR2, and then there's, there's there, I think TR4 is bull baiting, where, where he screams at you, shouts at you, or tries to make you laugh, and you have to stay absolutely this thing. Interesting. So when he responds. So this is a way to get you stuck in present time. Right. So I don't mm -hmm. know. I see how it goes. And it, it also says that it, 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 it helps you confront if you have a problem in life, how to help you stay with the situation, not be avoidant, not run away. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'll see how it goes. Very interesting. I had no idea the Scientologists did that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. They've got this other. They put lots of other drills. They do. They've got this other drill called mood drills. Mm. Got an emotional tone scale going from zero one from apathy, death, boredom, anxiety, fear, cheerfulness, and game, and whatever the 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 maximum tone. So mm. you have to read something, maybe a, a line from Alice in Wonderland in that tone. Mm -hmm. and with the supervisor and the supervisor uh, has to be quite strict with you you mm -hmm. have to hit that tone if you don't hit that tone then there's something then he flunks you and then so as you go up you start hitting a plateau that is where your chronic tone level is okay and then so once you break that and it's a way of, of quickly getting out of a depression out of a low mood spell or anxiety because at then he says you and your twin will be laughing when you're doing this thing so anyway this is what i need to do to build over trg simple baiting and all that then he said maybe what you can do is maybe the gradient was too high for you on the tr0 with the eyes open you need to go to ot tr0 with the eyes closed because i said yeah even with the eyes closed i was uncomfortable okay this is also something that comes from my meditation is uncomfortable. I want to move. I want to this thing. I think, especially with loving kindness. Interference again, guys. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, and then uh, so if there's the thing about. Uh, I don't think Ron's got the picture. Yeah, okay, he got it. <laughs> so so yeah. So so the thing is that. Uh, with the mood drills, it's a quick way to snap out of depression, he said. So so I need to do these, yeah, TR1 to 4 drills. The scale, I didn't get the gradient right because I felt uncomfortable with the first thing, even with eyes closed. And I feel that's an issue with my meditation, with mm. the breath meditation, tranquil wisdom inside meditation, loving kindness meditation. With all of them, I feel restless. But with the transcendental meditation, somehow I don't feel restless. Hmm. So, cool. But then I'm not sure how good transcendental meditation is for the progress of insight. So, oh goodness, I mean, you're um, you're taking yourself through so many different teachings and practices right now. Um, that I, I suppose, in a sense, you're you're making a, a science experiment of yourself, which is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, they say you should stick to one. So the one, I mean, I've not done any transcendental meditation in a while. Mm -hmm. I've not done any breath meditation. I'm trying to stick to the tranquil wisdom insight meditation, which is just feeling the loving kindness and radiating it out. 
but that feels uncomfortable for me because I thought, yeah, if I, uh, if I do, I'll be a jack of all trades and a master of none. So stick to one. Well, sure, but I mean, I'm including all of these other trainings that you're you're taking on as well. You know, um, those are teachings and or practices, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and of course, it's all the mind. And so of these many, many methods, I wonder if one will surface. So maybe I that, that's what I'm thinking is that maybe just focus on the Scientology drills for now. Maybe uh, that's what I've been doing. I've been trying to look at myself in face time and just practice with that and start improving with those drills and increase the time with that. Because I think what happens with the Scientology with these drills, it it should automatically get me in the mind state that a shit ton of meditation would get me to, which is, I mean, which is just uh, being able to stay in one place comfortably and stay in present time. Well, there's one, there's one thing you could try also, if, if you want to. You could just try a meditation where, you know, you sit down, you agree with yourself, you sit down for a set amount of time. And for that set amount of time, you just, you don't willingly do anything. So it's kind of it's kind of like do nothing meditation, I guess. Uh, I feel like that's pretty. It's a pretty good method. Did you tell me you tried to do nothing in the past, Ryan? Yeah, I tried, but the the, the mind just wanders. No, I've got a monkey mind. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's it's not do nothing meditation. You just don't willingly do anything. Because whatever your mind does is it's it's gonna do anyways. Just you know, the the point of that meditation is to kind of let you take a step back and observe it from a point where you're able to see it happening while you're not even necessarily doing anything. You know, that's actually kind of something that that Dan taught me, because I was having the same problem with my do nothing meditation, and you know, Dan comes up to me and says, "Well, that's kind of the point, isn't it? You know, like." <laughs> The mind still wants to do something either way. The do nothing meditation shows you everything you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that what you're getting from these drills, Ryan, if I understand it, is that you're uh, trying to kind of turn up the heat, so to speak. Um, I've heard... Uh, I think it was Ramdas who I heard talking about an eye contact meditation uh, that I tried with someone at one time, and it certainly was different to meditating on my own. And so I think there's stuff to be learned in all directions here. Brian, can I ask you a question? Yep. Um, which, uh, which meditation technique would you say that you stuck with for the longest? If you were to put it down, which 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 of these many techniques would you did you find yourself either coming back to again and again, or you understand it's sort of like fundamental to your practice? Is there any any of those like that? I love uh, transcendental meditation. Oh, okay. But can you explain what transcendental meditation is to me? We lost your mic. 
Ron, we keep saying this to you, man. You've got to get with the plan. Got the mic out. I think Ron asked you a question, Ryan. No, I, I, I think it was Rick. No, Rick. I asked you if you could explain what transcendental meditation oh, sure. is. I explained I, it. Rick had a question beforehand as well. Which, which, which was, it's just you just repeat a mantra to yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and so, why did you feel? Why do you feel that you need to add more to what that is? I'm just curious. Like, why? Why do you? Why are you adding more techniques to to that? If that's like one that you know you stuck with for so long, I'm just curious. I'm not criticizing. I just want to know. Yes. So, so the reason why was that uh, I started looking at different types of meditation. Ron, there's a lot of interference from your from your microphone. Sorry, I'm eating. I'll just mute myself. So I'm done. Okay, go ahead. Ron. It's all that compound butter. <laughs> so. So yes, yeah, so so what I did was that I was looking at different ways to meditate, and I was doing the transcendental meditation, and I really liked doing it. Then I came across Daniel Ingram's book, and the mindfulness of breath, and also the mind illuminated. And I thought, wait a second, there's a structure over here. Let me go according to the structure and work according to it. So at that time, as I was seeking and looking around. I came across Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation. And these are Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation. The people who do it is that this is the thing the Buddha originally spoke about. He only spoke about the mindfulness of breath a couple of times in his original discourses. And he said this is the one that helped him get there more accurately. And uh, so then what I finally decided was that so, so it looks like I'm just looking around. It looks like that the disturbance isn't from Ron. Well, unless it's mine, this thing, it's the whole. So, 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 so what I've what I found to be helpful, guys, uh, in in larger groups sometimes is um, to have all the mics muted unless you're speaking. That can help with this kind of thing. Oh, it was Dan. It was Dan, actually. Yeah, Dag, Dag. So it was his mic. So, so I think Ron, sorry, I think you were unfairly singled out. It was Dag. Dag was the bad boy. Or Dag's mic. It's was okay. Him. I accept I, your apologies. Rustled around with the, the charge of the device just now. I don't know if that's contributed to it. Maybe. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So, so then what? Uh, I I learned actually at that time was that it goes into the so the tranquil wisdom inside meditation I felt would be the meditation for me. And it was really quick. You can move up the janas really quickly. You learn the lessons and it thought I thought with with my personality, it's the best sort of meditation to do because it's uh, loving kindness meditation you feel good and the only meditation is you smile and feel good that's it if you have a thought 
listen to the thought and you relax into the thought and you smile and feel good. So the entire meditation is just feeling good. So I thought, wow, this is the best meditation in the world. And this is the fastest also. And so that insight actually made me afraid and leave twin because I thought, man, I don't want to get enlightened. I don't want to move up the this thing. Let me just do my TM so I can increase my focus. And But what happens is that, you know, there's a pull and a draw with this thing, no? So you just get pulled and drawn into it, into the journey. And so this is what I came across. Rod? Slowing my plate out. Thank you for understanding. So it seemed like you have these two solid methods, right? TM and, and what did you say, insight, wisdom meditation, loving kindness meditation. But then you mentioned some other ones too. So it's again, I could, I guess I couldn't collect, I guess I could never, for me, I could never collect that many. I would really have to stay with one or two to, I guess for a while, just to see how they were going to play out. You know, that's just, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize, but I was just thinking to myself, if I were going to start like a new martial art, for example, uh, which I've done, um, I would stay with that one for a while to see how it went. And before I started looking into others, but, uh, but, and again, it's, and I, I think I've said this before, there's something to be said for discipline. Um, as far as the like the you know s sitting down and, and st sticking to that particular in order to in order to and it sounds like you've gained a lot of benefit from from these uh, from these meditation but I just um, I know for myself I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to jump around too much without feeling like I was um, Collecting, I guess, is the best word for me, I would say, collecting, so. I feel that uh, absolute sense because I have that personal habit of just trying to move around from shiny, shiny, shiny and try something new all the time. That I've done the lessons here and the lessons that I've learned is that despite TM working, uh, and what I've learned from my chats with Dan is needing discipline. Because in my vocabulary, discipline is a bad word. It means force, discipline means you need to force yourself to do it. So discipline is my trigger that there's something going wrong. Something is not right. Mm -hmm. I, I just I just want to offer something, guys, before we get too far away from where this all started. And Alex, I know you've had your hand up for some time, brother. I will come to you. Ryan, I don't think you actually answered Rick's question, which was, why did you feel from TM, Transcendental Meditation, that you needed to go elsewhere? You told us what the elsewhere was like. You told us what you liked about it. But I didn't hear a strong reason for you to jump from the transcendental meditation. Yeah, to so what came so next. I said, I said that I didn't feel the transcendental meditation would move me along on the progress of insight. Right. And then you found with the next method, you said that you didn't want to get enlightened. Yeah. 
And then I said that when I didn't want to get enlightened, I got pulled into it automatically. I see. And then once I started speaking to you, it's like, no, there's no choice. You have to go along with it. So then now what I've suddenly decided, finally decided, let me stick with the tranquil wisdom inside meditation. Do it in small steps that it's consistent at a small, smaller time limit, 10 minutes of 20 minutes. Because again, when I was doing the meditations, when I was doing 20 minutes, two days later, she said, do 30 minutes. Two days later, she said, do 45 minutes. And that's when I started disliking it. So I think I need to go back into that. But I think I'll take Rick's point because I've learned this lesson now. I just uh, scatter my energies everywhere just to stick to one thing, which is maybe I'll just stick with the Scientology drills for now. Well, <laughs> with the Scientology drills. No, because it's the same thing as the meditation. The Scientology drills are are, are, in, are a form of meditation. I need to stay still okay. and, and, and I need to stay in, in the present moment. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Now we could take six, seven, eight, nine, ten, two, three, four dozen practices that are all about staying in the present moment. Yeah, I'm just aware that lots of other people are wanting to say things, so I don't want to take over oh, the, the oh i think it's fine I, I imagine we're all finding this quite interesting am i right yeah keep going man i have a question for, for ryan. Well, well should we should we see what alex has to say first guys because he's patiently waiting for no you guys are you guys are fine um i'm getting all annoyed and irritated over here but not for any actual specific reason just noticing it um i don't want to i don't want to sound like an asshole um if i do i'm sorry in advance but ryan and i and i really wasn't listening to the whole thing so i this could be completely misguided but i was just listening to what you were saying about how like you like to move from like one shiny thing to another because you you need something different after a while um and what I, the conclusion that I'm drawing or the assertion that I'm making is that maybe that's because at a certain point in the practice that you have, you reach a level of dissatisfaction with your practice or with your own experience. And so you think that it's the practice that needs to be changed or altered. Really, the value might be in just sitting with that dissatisfaction um, with whatever technique that you might be having. Because, you know, while it's good to feel good, I mean, Dan has helped me out with that a lot, like Samatha breathing practices, focusing on the breath is good when you want relief and things are feeling overwhelming. But ultimately, if freedom is what we're interested in, it's not about changing a condition or circumstance or practice. It's about accepting this as it is right here. Being with this, like getting this is all there is. And if that disappoints you, okay, there's your practice. There's your reward right there. Um, I'm going through that right now. What I was going to say is uh, I, 
I had a trip. I took some mushrooms. It had been like almost about six months. I went so deep into emptiness in this trip, I thought I was going to die. I don't know if any of you guys have ever tripped before, but I literally felt like I was going to die. And there was, uh. complete, there was complete terror and complete peace in it at the same time. I literally I thought the world story. as good was going to cease to exist, that everything was just gonna go black and I was gonna be gone. And I eventually at one point, I just kind of like, I think I tapped out, like, like, okay, I can't go any further because this is like the edge of my knowing. If I go further, I truly have no idea what was gonna happen. Um, and the next day I woke up and it was like a memory. And what I forgot to say though is, as soon as I tapped out, there was a whole level of freedom. Like I was like completely infinite and unlimited. There was nothing that mattered. Everything that was mundane was beautiful and peaceful. Everything that was exciting was mundane. It didn't matter whatever it was, whatever was going on. I was so fucking free. And then I woke up the next day and it was like, okay, all right, hello dissatisfaction. I knew it probably wasn't gonna stay with me, even though I was very convinced it was. I got to the one point in my trip where I was like, oh, there's no such thing as a trip. This is it. This is it now. This is just how I am. And well, technically, you're not wrong. And it's, I know, I know technically I'm not wrong, but it went back into egoic consciousness, as yeah. Artem said on the Discord. And um, it's quite interesting, though, to think like there's really, at some level, there's really nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I could do about it. Nothing I could do about it when it went to complete freedom. Nothing I could do about it. When it, uh, when it all went back to egoic consciousness, except to continue to let go into whatever experience there was at that moment again and again and again and again and again. And when I was on that trip, it was like each layer of resistance became its own allowing. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. And I got to be honest with you guys. I'm kind of like, I think I'm starting to realize I'm heartbroken because I feel like I, I, got, I, got, I got the goal. Like I got, I got everything. And then it just got like ripped away from me and I can't, I don't know where it is. It, I mean, obviously like it's not anywhere, it's right here, but like it's not. And it, the more and more I'm just like, okay, just accept this. Okay, hello dissatisfaction, just be with this. And it's like, fuck, it's, it's like elusive. It's, it's just gone. It's like, it's as if it never even happened, but I know it did. I, I trust my seeing. But I'm just, I think I'm I can so actually relate here. So fucking dissatisfied right now. I'm just realizing, like, as I've been on the phone with you guys, that I think, like, the whole time I've been like, oh, be careful. Like, you're reaching. You're reaching for that experience. Okay, you're comparing. Okay, dissatisfaction. Okay, hello, Duca. Like, and just let it all be. Like, good seeing. You know, I've been doing everything. I've been the perfect student. Okay, and where's my freedom? <laughs> So, and uh, I mean, I can completely understand that because I actually, I definitely went through like a similar type of course with uh, LSD as well. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you're under the influence of whatever substance it is you're taking, you know, you have that, that same ideology, you know, you, you see things clearly as they are, you're like, oh, it's just emptiness. It's, it's what's always been here. I've always been here. And then 
the, the day after, you know, it, it seems almost as if you're looking for something that that's not there anymore. And that's kind of where the, the problem and the illusion itself arises. You know, you're, yeah. you're looking for something, you know, like you said. And you see, that's actually, that's why I've, uh, I've started getting into Vipassana a lot because, you know, I've come to realize that, you know, I, I don't frown upon psychedelics at all. I, I like to see them as a tool, which if used right, can definitely uh, advance you on the spiritual path a fair amount because they do give rise to these experiences and insights, I'd want to say, that previously one couldn't imagine. But... You know, I, I kind of like to think of them as training wheels, just so that you know that that there's something more than your day-to-day experience that exists or that there's a higher level of perceiving it. But at the end of the day, you don't experience it like that because of the conditioning that your brain has from a day-to-day basis. And, you know, that's where the, the seeing clearly part kind of comes in. You know, you're still experiencing the same exact thing that you were experiencing yesterday it's just you know your brain has has rebuilt some of its conditionings that were viciously torn down from the psychedelic experience yeah it's funny alex you mentioned that um the way you got to that place was not by like continuing to grapple with the experience of the fear of death um, or what you talk about, but it was by letting go, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. what you're doing now is the opposite, right? You're wanting that um, yeah. experience again. Um, yeah. But I think uh, your smile is telling me that like you, you kind of know that that's not how you get there or that's yeah. not how you got there. Exactly, exactly. And then I'll be like, okay, just let go into this. And it's like, you know, it's a verbal reminder, but I know I can feel it too. I know that I can feel it deeper than <laughs> See, that's, that's kind of a problem with psychedelics. Let go because honestly, that's the deepest I've ever gone in a trip. I took like very little dose. It took, it took only like 3.2 grams. Like I've taken six grams before and it has never gone that deep for me. I think it only went that because of the. Two grams is not a small dose of mushrooms. <laughs> it's definitely not a big one. Well, it, it you know, it, it depends. But I did six before and it wasn't nearly as intense as this. And I think, you know, Artemis said you don't need to take a huge dose. I think it has a lot to do with what level well, of CO2 I mean, I mean, you have to understand, too, there's also like a lot of different factors that, that change things on that. It was also like the type of mushrooms, the potency of them. I will agree yeah. that where you are in a mental standpoint now versus where you were then also has a big influence. But like, for example, you know, you can say the dosage doesn't matter, but if you took the same exact shrooms that you took, but instead of two grams, you took six, you would have had a much, much more intense experience. I think for me, and you know, I don't know if it's true, but it just feels correct. It's the reason why I had as intense of an experience as it is because I was ready for it and I'm open to it. There's like a deeper open experience that's what uh, you're, you're that's probably all exactly right becoming more intimate with our experience i think it's on whether i'm on psychedelics or not i think it's helpful to have the reminder of um maybe what the buddha taught or what we're looking for i think sometimes there's the idea of 
finding these extremely pleasurable states um, and resting in those. But really what was taught is dukkha, dukkha, naroda, right? Satisfaction, yes. satisfaction. Yes. It's, it's very, very simple. Um, so, yes. so all you need to do is satisfaction, not this much satisfaction, not satisfaction times a thousand, just, just satisfaction. I know. I know, guys. Like, I, all I have to say is a resounding I know, and what I know makes no difference. But and and I the know. the insight is that, and this is the lesson. This is the lesson. The reason the mushroom showed you that lesson is that they are showing you this is how you're not supposed to feel. I, in terms of that, the the best experience you've had in the last month has been the worst experience that you've had in the last month. It's given you more pain than anything else. I don't know what I've come to see with psychedelics is what what they do is they they tend to give you an opportunity to let go. And see, that's that's the the part of it that I do support because you know it's like actual meditation, but on a smaller scale. Because you know, I can speak from experience and say through throughout all my my psychedelic experiences, there there was some type of peak point where I was able to see that there was something beyond the scope of my awareness. And, you know, it was like you take the red pill or the B pill, you know, you can either fight it or you can accept and die into it. Right. And, you know, that's I'd like yeah. to think that's kind of trained me with these mini cessations. You know, every time I was able to let go, I would instantly get blown into like a new dimension almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, I'm making Alex see. I'll see, I've had drugs like 5-MeO, DMT, which step into oneness, which uh, step into duality. Okay, so there's, the, there's that thing. So, But what I'm suggesting, Alex, is that you had this experience. It was a phenomenal experience. But see how much pain you're feeling now, how much pain that experience has caused you or is causing you. Right after the spiritual high, you go into the dark night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mm, I see it. I see it. On, what What do you have to say about this, Dan? Well, I just said let's kick the habit. Let's stop getting high and let's stop getting low. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's yeah. why I think the the vipassana meditation like really helps because you know all these differentiations between these high states and these low states that you're experiencing they're based off what you know and what you develop as your ideology as a human. You know, you see good and bad, but at the end of the day, these are all just sensations formed together with your body telling you a story. And, you know, that's, that's why I really like the, the Vipassana meditation, because you come to see that it's, it's all just sensations and they're all in the same footing. And when you feel good or when you feel bad, you're just experiencing a sensation and your brain is just telling you a story as to what that sensation is so yeah. it's not necessarily the experience that's the problem it's the fact that you had the experience and now you want it again you're holding it's on to the it. attachment to the experience yeah and it's caused you so much pain all through that all through this time and you talk about um that you know it, but the, um, we can say, yes, you know it, but the most important part is remembering it and remembering it when you need it the most, right? You can know these things here in this environment, 
um, and recognize that. And then, then, then the skill to be pra practiced would be sati and to remember that um, and to remind yourself of that and let yourself enjoy that. Yes. Sati, Alex, being a Pali term with which you might not be familiar. Uh, sati is, um, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Often translated as mindfulness, but the literal translation being to remember. Or better still, as Parker is pointing to, to remember to remember. To remember that, to remember what right is about. What, what must be developed first, I mean, um, that's why you're doing these things and trying to find these things out. But once you develop some right view in terms of what is wholesome to spend your mind on, what is dissatisfying, right? Um, then, then you must develop the skill of remembering when when you are dissatisfied to um, to let yourself be satisfied, and then that'll develop um, that you'll need to have the right effort there um, too when you wake up to this dissatisfaction um, with the sati. Um, you'll have the right effort of let, letting go of the dissatisfaction, letting yourself relax into the satisfaction. And then the Buddha talks about how these three things that we're talking about, right view, right sati, and right effort, circle around themselves. Um, you'll continue to develop the right view, and then you'll um, wake up, and you'll, you'll use the right effort to let yourself become satisfied. Um, and they circle around themselves, developing the right attitude of I actually can become satisfied whenever. And that's the fourth step, is the right attitude once you... Once this circle is um, becoming a skill that's developed, um, you then have the attitude of, oh, I can do this. I can be satisfied when I, when I want to, when I remember to. So I want to make sure I have this right, Parker, because I feel as though I have been practicing what you're saying, but I just want to make sure that I have that uh, by confirming what you just said. So. But I like wake up, for instance, or I'll just say even right now, I notice there's dissatisfaction. So that's the first step, right? Noticing, okay, there's dissatisfaction here. And then reaching for, you know, an experience uh, or reaching for relief. Okay, there's dissatisfaction again. So I notice it first. And then what you're saying is that I can also bring in the remembering, wait, I can relax into this dissatisfaction and be satisfied here right now. I can be satisfied within the dissatisfaction. Is, is that what you're saying? Exactly. And this is what would be called like gliding the mind or Dhammarada would say, ah, I see you, Mara. And instead I see this dissatisfaction that's ignorant and I'm feeling bad for um, really not a great reason. Um, and you can then glad the mind and give yourself a big smile and um, remember, remember that you can enjoy things. Yeah, well, there's actually, there's two things I can add on to that. Two things that you could do in that situation. One of them, something that, that Dan has taught me. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of just uh, acknowledging yourself. You know, you might be feeling the, the dissatisfaction, but, you know, you can just as easily reverse that by saying, this present moment is good enough. You know, even if you are feeling the dissatisfaction, accepting mm -hmm. the present moment as it is can be a very powerful thing. You know, yeah. you can accept your your dissatisfaction and say, "This is this is okay." You know, this is happening right now, and this is good enough. Or 
you know, another thing you can do is you can ask yourself, you know, what exactly am I feeling? How do I know that I'm dissatisfied right now? What is the physical translation of that within my body? Where is it happening? You know, what does it mean to be dissatisfied? You know, kind of try to dissect and more deeply analyze what this feeling of dissatisfaction even is. I think the key is less what does it mean at first, but more try and wake it, wake up to where it is in your body because that'll take you off of the dissatisfaction. And then you can, if you're feeling some anxiety um, per se, per se you'll, um, you can breathe in and see if you can move that anxiety around in your body. And that'll allow you to um, realize that it really is just a sensation or that yeah. anxiety will take you out of those thoughts of, I don't like this anxiety. I don't like this feeling in my chest. I don't like how I feel right now. And they're just feeling it. Yeah. Realizing yeah. that it is just a sensation and that it's okay. Thank Go you. Ahead, Thank reminders. Um, the, the thing has been, it, it is so frustrating. Well, at least that's what I believe right now. Because everything that you guys are saying, I remind myself of. I remind myself to do these things. I'm not, it is not the first time I've heard these things. What I, said. I do think that you, you must know what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different from remembering, though, and also like accessing them. So, practicing. Practicing. But I feel, Alex, even this no is just that <laughs> it's, like it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. You have to accept the discomfort, you have to stay with the discomfort. And it's what you told me also. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with staying with discomfort. And what I really want is I want joy from morning to night with every second. Well, see, that's that's I feel like that's the problem within itself. It's yeah. it's kind of impossible to feel. Unconditional joy in a conditional manner, you see. You know, as humans, we're, we're prone to go through the motions. You know, you, you don't get to pick and choose what emotions you experience on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, like, I know this is a bit of an extreme example, but, you know, let's say, God forbid, someone close to you dies. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to, to go to their funeral with, you know, infinite joy. You're, you're going to be sad because someone close to you has passed away. And, but even you know, at that, at that time, point, even at that time, Feeling sadness is joy. It's a beautiful emotion. Well, exactly. Well, yes, you know, I think I was you, say. you're heading more in the direction of what would be called equanimity with that, Ryan. Yeah, that is the unconditional but, but joy. I'm looking for joy. I'm looking for joy. Sadness feels amazing. Crying feels amazing. Okay. So that's yeah. what it's, see, because, because my day is filled with back-to-back -back joy. From the time I wake up right. until the time I go to sleep is joy, is is my tag, yeah. It's just, it's, it's just joy stacked on back to back to back. So that's where I'd like to be, not where I'm attached or looking for the happiness or wanting the happiness or this thing, but just it's just there the joy. See, because even in all this time, no, I can find okay, Ron is has got his mic on, he's interrupting every time everybody speaks, he just keeps coming in and he's got all clusters. <laughs> Okay, but there's joy in, in all of it also. Okay, yeah. so that's the thing. Okay. <laughs>
And then I all I have to see, man, Ron is like that because I'm like that. I keep coming and thinking I've got all the fucking answers. So how can I point a finger at him? <laughs> Indeed, and those experiences can be joyful. Yeah. Indeed. I think it's um that's a much broader concept of joy than where we all start. We start with that um, very dualistic kind of. Yeah, I mean, that joy. sounds like equanimity to me. <laughs> well, indeed. And, you know, so we're kind of playing semantics here, right? But I think that yeah. what I'm pointing to is that he does have sensations of joy, which is wonderful. I mean, just today, no, I just went and I, I went to work. I, oh, there was a problem at work that sorted itself out automatically. I came home. I got my TV delivered. Beautiful TV. Nice. Then I put on IP TV on it, so I'm just enjoying that. Then I was sleeping. I spoke to my landlord. I got a couple of nice messages from friends. I'm over here, which is always enlivening. Then I'm going to do some Scientology drills after this, immediately after this with my other friend. So it's just back-to-back -back joy. Lovely. Oh, I think I think you might be breaking up, Ryan. Am I? Please, I hope the the the, the internet that's a bit dodgy and the mic and the sound is not me. <laughs> yes, sir. I think I think we just maybe lost a few words from you there, but yeah, yeah, that all sounds wonderful. And indeed, we're all pointing in the same direction. Yeah, I think that's a good point you're making. A lot of it is semantics. You know, in yeah. philosophy, they do a lot of trying to come to like a definition of something so then they can use it to talk about it, right? First, they go into, yeah. okay, this is what all the philosophers said before. And logically, this is what this definition really means. So now that we've established that, we can go ahead and use that word to mean these things. And here are the arguments for and against, et cetera, right? And so we're not, we shouldn't. I'm, I don't think it's a good idea to try and, but yeah, we are getting into a little bit of that messiness of categorization and language. And I, I, can, I can see a little bit of that chasing it around, you know, and that's fine. It's a bit of a, it's a bit about that mental bubble gum though. There's some chewing going on and that's fine too, right? All of it's fine. But, um, you know, yeah, I, 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 I'm observing that as well in, this, in some of these conversations. I mean, conversations. it's like a bit of a loophole, honestly. A loophole? Well, yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, we're all just using concepts defined by language to try to explain, you know, our thoughts and what it is that we're really feeling. And at the end of the day, the language itself is an inhibitor in that matter. Well, indeed. You know, and um, it's quite comfortable, actually. I have found it comfortable, certainly, at times to, to sit in language is inadequate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't adequately explain all of this to anyone, so I won't bother. Now I'm off. Yeah. 
but I feel like that's where kind of the what Rick was talking about comes up because you know essentially it could be that we're all talking about more or less the same thing but we're just kind of having this little debate because of our differing ways of explaining that yeah and you know that's that's basically yeah and so it, it's kind of what philosophy is too right and what but once we point it out well now we can go ahead and continue with words having pointed out that yes we're using words right yeah they're fallible they're flawed bye ryan enjoy brother great to hear from uh, you hi ryan good to see you so, yeah. yeah, I actually got to go too. There's a few things I need to get done today, but uh, okay. it's lovely to talking too. to you guys. Yeah, see yeah. You next it was week. good to see you, Ron. Bye, brother. See you, Ron. Thank you. Alex? Yeah, I just I just noticed. I'm like, I'm like talking to you guys and listening, and I'm like, fuck all. Fuck you. <laughs> Oh, give a shit what you guys are saying. Okay, I I know better. <laughs> yeah, and I just like I just closed my eyes and I took your advice, Parker, and yours, Dan, and Ron's too. And I just closed my eyes and I just noticed. Okay, where is the dissatisfaction? And just and just asking that question, there was satisfaction. Just in asking that question, I was like, oh. There was like this humming, there's like this this buzzing of sensation that I couldn't actually say was dissatisfying. It was mm. like, well, this is actually kind of satisfying. Okay, can be enough? And it was like just in and then what I noticed is I think I was actually clinging to dissatisfaction. And I did it was like it was beyond me. I didn't even see it. So thank you. You know, here, what the fuck? It is truly, truly <laughs> a fucking trip. It's like, what that shit. actual fuck? Like, I close my shit. eyes, I ask myself, where is the dissatisfaction? And I can't find it. I open my eyes, I say I'm dissatisfied. I close my eyes, where is the dissatisfaction? I can't find it. It's truly a trip. So I'm just, just letting go into it. I'm just going to die into it. If that's a technique, oh, fuck all. If, if dissatisfaction <laughs> shows up again, I'll just do the same thing. It's, you know, that's the practice. So that's all it is. It's so that simple. The limitations of language, sometimes it just takes one comment. Even with all those limitations and categories, yep. sometimes it takes just one comment and then boom, you get that insight too. And for me, it's about to sperming on to my practice. And I know ryan doesn't like that word discipline but i do i do i think i i um think it's important to have that habitual whether whether you want to or not in a given day because i feel that moods change right but but practice doesn't need to and i find that in many in most cases the body leads the mind if you know so often you feel like well i'm not in the mood to a practice b exercise c clean whatever but once you get started that mood changes anyway it's mm -hmm. like so, so then that case then the, then the discipline was was useful in this case because it pulled you into being in quote the mood right so, 
but yeah. to, so to me, I, I, I know Ryan's gone. I'm not going to talk about him when he's not here. But to me, I didn't get yeah. a chance to say this to him, but I, I have no problem with discipline. I think it's very, very useful tool to, to bringing, bringing about these kinds of uh, changes that, that we are seeking as a group or individually to me. So, yeah, because I, I think what you point out, Rick, is you, you dispel the myths of the mind. Uh, mood is like a myth in that moment. Yeah. Oh, I'm not moving. Yeah. Well, then all exactly. of a sudden you start engaging differently yes. in life, and it's like, whoa, what happened? So it's like you dispel and demystify these myths in your mind. Right, because it's about, to me, it's about what leads me back to the practices that I've chosen to, to engage in for, you know, for e not, not for years and years, but for each day. I look at it like each day. I'm practicing today, this thing, today, this moment. Not thinking about, oh, I can't wait till I'm down the path a few years. And I'll I don't think about that at all. I don't think about you know, six months from now, what it's going to be like. Because I've done that a bunch before, and it didn't help at all. It just yeah. distracted me from, yeah. from the practice, from the discipline of it. But to me, it's just like making your bed, you know? You don't think about all the times you're going to have to make your bed in your life. You wouldn't, you wouldn't make it at all, right? It gets a lot of damn pulling those sheets straight, putting those pillows up, whatever. You just think about, I got to get done this moment, this time, I don't got to, but I choose to this moment, this time. Oh, look, it's done. Done, satisfied. Okay, let's sit. Not thinking about, oh, in a week, in a year, just this moment, sit and have the discipline to do it now. And that's great. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and, you, and you're talking about, um, you know, how you could abstractly start measuring how much pulling of the sheets, how much fluffing of those pillows, in the same way, uh, how much we're saving ourselves by not going there. How much mental bubble gum Right, we're not right. Because we started this, we, talk, we started by talking about the futility of measuring. Yeah. Right? The futility of measuring. Right? And, and Alan Watts has some really cool things to say about where the word measure comes from, where the word matter, how those two are related and everything. And so that's that's a big, for me, a, a big important um, reminder, constant reminder. It's like, wow, look at me measuring. Look at me evaluating. You know, I can do that with my students because I am trying to progress that. I do need to have some junk. But as far as the other stuff, no, it's just the daily practice, the daily whatever, making the bed, whatever. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, the measurement. Beautiful. Anyway. Absolutely beautiful, guys. It's getting late for me. I'm going to head yeah. out. Of course, you can all carry on if you wish. No, I, I've got to go to work. I've so. tested that yet. I mean, I, since I dial up, I mean, does it continue if I hang up myself? Maybe one of you or two of you could hang around just for a, a few seconds to see if it's actually the case that you can continue. Yes, Steve. I'm pretty sure the video call does continue. We've had in the past oh. that Domino has left the group, and um, we could try it just in case. Oh, no, I suspect if it works that, that way. Let's, then it works let's try it just in case, because someone else might have started that call, actually, and it might have been a oh. workaround. Okay, cool, cool. Well, guys, great seeing you again, as always. Good seeing you. Really, really All right, guys. Yeah.
see you all soon. <laughs> Bye.